Hey everyone, before we start the episode, I wanted to share some exciting news. We have a YouTube channel now. We started posting our episodes with some cool images and videos, so you should definitely go check it out. You can find us at On Wildlife Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome to On Wildlife. I'm your host, Alex Ray. On this podcast, we bring the wild to you. We take you on a journey into the life of a different animal every week. And I guarantee you, you're going to come out of here knowing more about your favorite animal than you did before. We've got another really awesome guest this week, and I can't wait for you guys to hear our conversation. This episode, I got to sit down with Yuritsa Acosta, who is the Wildlife Rehabilitation Manager at the Pelican Harbor Seabird Station in Florida. She's been rehabilitating all kinds of wildlife for around 12 years, and she has a lot of cool information about the animal that we're talking about today. So I hope you're not afraid of heights, because this week we're reaching some high altitudes to talk about pelicans. different species of pelican, and you can find them almost anywhere in the world near the ocean and sometimes in freshwater. And their most famous feature is the pouch underneath their beak. But what's it used for? Well, you'll have to find out in my interview with Yuritsa. Another important feature that they have is their webbed feet, which can be seen in a lot of different water birds. And these webbed feet help them swim better while they're floating on the water. Some people would call these birds living dinosaurs. And they do look kind of prehistoric. But what's really cool is that pelicans have been around for more than 30 million years. And they're also pretty big for a bird. The Dalmatian pelican is the largest pelican species. And it's also one of the largest birds that can fly in general. Their wingspan can get to be over 11 feet long. This means that their wingspan would be around the same length as two full-sized refrigerators stacked on top of each other. Not only that but they can also fly as high as 10,000 feet in the air. Speaking of flying, pelicans are birds that participate in something called thermal soaring. Thermal soaring means that they use heat pockets called thermals in order to help them glide through the air, which allows them to flap their wings a lot less, and this helps them preserve a lot of their energy. If you ever noticed a bird like a pelican or a vulture circling around in the air, you're probably watching them trying to catch a thermal. When they catch a thermal, they keep circling until they get to the height that they want to be at. But why do they need to conserve so much energy? Well, during the winter, a lot of pelican populations migrate south for warmer weather. Some of them can travel extremely far distances, so they stock up on food and try not to waste their energy. And in the spring, mating season occurs. And some pelicans are seasonally monogamous, meaning that they stick with one mate for that season, and then they may find a new mate next year. Their mating rituals are different depending on their species, but some of their behaviors include head bobbing and flying in a certain pattern. But by far the strangest mating behavior comes from the American white pelican. Males grow a horn on their beak during the mating season. The horn seems to be a way for the pelicans to express that they're ready to mate and some biologists have noticed that they use the horn in their mating rituals. After the female lays her eggs, 
the horn falls off and grows back next year. Okay, now you see how cool pelicans are, and there's still so much more to talk about. We're going to take a break, and when we get back, you're going to hear my interview with the Wildlife Rehabilitation Manager at the Pelican Harbor Seabird Station, Yuritza Acosta. This week on Notable Figures in Science, I want to recognize Dr. Joan Merle Owens. She was a teacher for multiple years, but then decided to go back to school to focus on marine biology. She worked on a project at the Smithsonian that focused on studying corals because she had sickle cell anemia, which actually prevented her from diving into the ocean. After this, she got her PhD at George Washington University, and later in her life, she even helped describe a new genus of corals and classified a new species. She made some large contributions to the field of marine biology and specifically to the world of corals. If you want to learn more about Dr. Owens or this series, check out onwildlife.org. Okay, we're back. Enjoy my interview with Yuritza. Hi, Yuritza. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really can't wait to hear about pelicans. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. So first, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became interested in pelicans? Yeah. Um, So I got a a bachelor's in biology, graduated in 2012. And where I went to college in North Carolina, there was a wildlife rehab center up there. And when I started, I had no idea what that was. I didn't know that was a thing. And I immediately fell in love with it. Um, It was actually a class that I had to take for my pre-vet major. And so when I graduated, I actually graduated with a minor in wildlife rehabilitation. Um, And I loved it so much. I stayed there as a volunteer, an intern, and whatever I could do. Um, And then after graduation, I moved down to Florida to work and try to get into vet school and started working at Pelican Harbor Seabird Station. And I had no experience with seabirds. And the first time I saw a pelican, I was just like, that's a dinosaur. This is crazy. (laughs) Um, it was really cool. And because Pelican Harbor Seabird Station is known for treating pelicans, you know, that was one of the first kind of seabird that I really learned to, to treat down here. Um, and so quickly fell in love with them and pelicans have become one of my favorite birds still now. That's so cool. Um, and you are the wildlife rehabilitation manager at Pelican Harbor Seabird Station. So can you tell me about like what their mission is, and what you do there specifically? Yeah, so we are dedicated to the rescue, rehabilitation, and release of sick, injured, or orphaned brown pelicans, seabirds, and native wildlife. Um, And we also will educate the community um, about conservation efforts, what we do, and about how they can also help um, protect these animals. Um, So we've been around for actually about 40 years. Wow. You started, yeah, back in 1980 by a couple who lived in the marina where we're at, and they found an injured pelican, they treated it on their houseboat, and then, you know, they loved it so much, they worked towards making the facility that we are today. And we're constantly growing um, and taking in more and more animals. And so, you know, back then it was just pelicans, and now we take in a variety of species of animals. That's so cool. And I love the fact that you guys are also into the education aspect. I think that's really important uh, when we're talking about conservation and uh, people caring about animals. 
Yeah, definitely. We That's one of the things that we really try to work on um, in our community and even outside of Miami with social media and other kinds of things is getting the word out there about wildlife rehabilitation in general and then, you know, what they can do to help these animals um, that are suffering in different ways out in the, the wild. Yeah, that's really important. And you guys are doing really great work. You Obviously, you probably work with a lot of uh, pelicans on a daily basis. So what what do you feed them and what do they usually eat in the wild? And is, is it different? Yeah. So pelicans are predominantly fish eaters. So they eat um, different small schools of fish out in the wild. We feed uh, two kinds in particular, thread herring and capelin to our pelicans in rehab here. So they might um, occasionally eat other things like lizards or small birds, but they're really just fish eaters. Oh, cool. And how do they catch their prey? Because fish don't just sit there and wait for them to be eaten. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So uh, pelicans actually hunt. So they, there's actually uh, brown pelicans are one of two species that actually will plunge dive for their fish. Plunge diving is a technique used by some pelicans and other seabirds where they dive headfirst into the water in order to quickly pounce on their prey. Yuritsa was telling me that they turn their heads in a certain way, which protects their esophagus from the impact of the water. And so they come up with the fish and a bunch of water. They drain the water out um, and the fish is just left and then they swallow that whole. Um, So the brown pelican and the Peruvian pelican do this. And then other species of pelican actually will just kind of swim together in a herd and they'll um, herd fish into one area and they all just kind of snap at the water, each trying to get a fish. So they do that way. That's really cool. And if if anybody's ever seen the pelicans doing the dive into the water, it's one of the coolest things you'll you'll get to see. Yeah. So going off of that, pelicans are pretty well known for the pouch that they have. Uh, underneath their bill. So what do they use this for? Yes. Yeah, so um, like I said, when they're hunting, they will get a lot of water uh, when they come up with the fish. So that pouch can hold about one to two gallons of water and they'll open their mouth just slightly. So the water drains out and the fish is left over and they'll swallow the fish whole. So that's one of the main purposes is while they're hunting. Um, but you also see them um, thermoregulating with the pouch. So you might see a pelican with the pouch kind of like fluttering back and forth. So that's kind of, I guess, the equivalent of like a dog panting is them trying to cool down. Really? That's, that's insane. And I'm assuming that they probably don't sweat other than using their, uh, their flap to, to, uh, release heat. Uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And do they have any other cool adaptations that they use for survival? Yeah. So, um, pelicans also have, kind of slits on the top of their beak and a lot of people think that that's their nose but they actually can't breathe out of these slits they're too small Um, so what it's used for is to help uh, drain excess salt out of the bloodstream so they're in the water they're in the ocean they're taking in water they're swimming in it so any um, salt in their system that they don't need um, will go through this process and you'll kind of see it uh, drain out of these little nostrils there But other than that, they don't breathe through it. So pelicans are mouth breathers. um, So they need their bill, you know, cracked open when you're holding them so they can breathe. But yeah, the salt gland kind of drainage is a cool adaptation. Yeah, that is really cool. And I think a few other 
uh, like seabirds also have this. Yeah. I think I, I just did an episode on uh, penguins, and I'm pretty sure they have something similar to that as well. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't want uh, salt water getting in your mouth while you're <laughs> hunting <Yeah>. for food. <laughs> yeah, that's that's no good. Uh, another thing, I guess, is um, a lot of people think pelicans, is because they're big, that they're heavy birds, but they're actually mostly air sacs. So they have a lot of air sacs on their stomach and around their body, and it helps them uh, be buoyant on the water and also helps them be lighter as they're flying. Remember how we were talking about how pelicans dive into the water for food? Well, the air sacs will actually inflate just before they hit the water as an extra mode of protection. So you talked a little bit about how they can kind of hunt for their prey in uh, in groups. So could you talk a little bit more about like if, if they're more social animals? Because a lot of birds are social. Yeah. Yeah. Pelicans are very social. Um, they're usually are flying together. You'll see them in that kind of iconic V or like W formation. Um, they do roost together at night. During nesting season, they all will build their nest close to each other. Um, even though they still will fight with each other sometimes, they like to be close. Um, you will see lone pelicans flying here and there or hanging out, but a lot of times you will see them together. Um, and in rehab, they do fine together with other birds. We usually like to keep them in groups. Um, that way they kind of um, are playing with the other birds, kind of feel better when they're around their own kind, and they tend to just kind of heal better and faster that way. So definitely social, yeah. Well, that's great. And are there ways that they communicate with each other? Yeah, so pelicans don't have any kind of real vocal cords like um, other singing kind of birds. So they can do kind of like a hiss or raspy sound, but a lot of their uh, communicating is through body language. Um, so they do a lot of wing flapping, body swaying, um, babies when they're begging for food, they're flapping their wings frantically, they're snapping at the mom's mouth. Um, if they feel threatened, they'll sway their head and snap at you. Um, so it's a lot of body language for sure. That's really cool. So how are they important to the ecosystems that they live in? Um, so pelicans are considered like an indicator species. Indicator species are species that can tell scientists if they're looking at a healthy ecosystem. If an indicator species is doing well in an ecosystem, that usually means that that ecosystem is doing well too. If they're dying out, then you know you've got a problem. Because they feed predominantly on fish, um, if there were something to go wrong in the fish population where they're living, um, they would definitely uh, feel the impacts of them and you might find them starving or dying, their populations decreasing. So that's a good indicator that something's going wrong in the waters where they're at, in the ecosystem. Um, and so a lot of times you might want to look into that and see, you know, why are there no fish? Um, why are the pelicans dying? Um, so they're good at looking at uh, ecosystems that way to kind of see how healthy the area is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you see some pelicans, then you know that the ecosystem is kind of doing a little uh, pretty well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you see them, you know, hunting a lot in the bay or in a lake where you're at, then you know that that's a good a good area. Absolutely. And and you talked a little bit about how if there's not a lot of fish, they could face some problems. So what what are some of the problems that pelicans are facing right now? Yeah, so um a lot of hook and line related problems are what we see. Um so they are swimming and hunting in these waters and there might be fishing line or hook 
our hooks um, fly are floating around in the waters. They can get entangled. Uh, sometimes these fishing lures are shaped like fish. And so to a pelican, that just looks like a fish. And they might try to eat it. And then they will get caught in their pouch or their throat and cause issues there. Um, so a lot of um, the fishing line and hook-related things we see also habitat destruction. Um, these birds like to roost and nest on uh, mangrove trees and islands in the bay or in the ocean. Um, and, you know, when we start seeing those things disappear, then there's nowhere for them to nest or roost. And then they try to find other places and then they can end up in uh, places where they're not normally seen and can get into trouble and, and cause issues that way. Um, so those are some challenges. And we usually will educate people on properly um, throwing away fishing line and hooks, um, not feeding them. That's another big thing is these birds will hang around marinas and beaches where people are um, fishing and people like to throw them scraps, but then the bird will get used to that and then they'll hang around these dangerous areas and then also get into trouble. Um, so those are some of the things that they're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. And some of those things you'd never really think about, like, you think, oh, if I feed this bird, maybe I'm doing it a favor, but you're actually yeah. hurting it more than you're helping it because yeah, you need it exactly. to fish for for uh, its life. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and what are some of the things that are causing that habitat destruction near their, um, where they nest? Um, it could be a variety of things. Um, you know, environmental changes can cause um, a lot of these islands to lose their plant life. And so trees aren't growing or the waters around them are polluted. And so you know, these islands are the dirt's being polluted and then things won't grow. Or in certain areas, if we um, get rid of um, a lot of islands to make other things, uh, roads or, or buildings or things like that, then those animals are, are losing their habitat there. So those are kind of the main things. Mm -hmm, definitely. So one could say that humans are causing a lot of the issues surrounding yeah. uh, pelicans and definitely a lot of other um, animals as well. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, is there anything that we can do, uh, like the average person can do to help pelicans? Yeah, definitely. Just definitely be mindful of um, if you're out fishing to properly dispose of old fishing line and fishing hooks and not leave them lying around so they end up in the water. Um, if you are throwing back fish um, that you caught to make sure to remove any hooks or line that are in them or on them. Um, or even just um, properly throwing away uh, trash so that doesn't end up in the waterways and these birds don't get entangled in them. And also, you know, if you find injured animals, um, definitely to call your local wildlife rehabilitator or your uh, Fish and Wildlife Service because they usually have a list of wildlife facilities in each state. Um, and then you can, you know, communicate with them and, you know, maybe you might have to try to catch the animals. Sometimes they can come out. Um, so just kind of being mindful of your everyday activities and properly throwing away things um, and then contacting, you know, wildlife containers if you do find an injured animal for sure. Yeah, that's, that's great. And it's so easy to do these things and, and you might not even know that you're making a difference, but if you're properly disposing of these things, uh, you are, and you're helping wildlife without even knowing it, uh, which yeah. is great. So before you go, where, where can we find information about the Pelican Harbor Seabird Station? 
Yeah, so you can definitely visit our website. It's pelicanharbor.org um, or follow us on social media. Um, it's at Seabird Station. Um, so we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and we do post on YouTube also. Um, so you can follow us there. We usually are posting education materials or um, upcoming online events or um, special release videos or things like that. You can follow us um, in those areas. Um, and if you're in the Miami area, um, you can definitely, um, you know, once everything goes by with COVID, we'll be open to the public again and you can come by for tours and meet our ambassador animals and things like that. Yeah, I don't know anybody who wouldn't want to see a pelican up close. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're amazing to see. Um, and other you have other animals as well. Yeah, we do have uh, an ambassador screech owl and an ambassador gray horned owl. Um, an ambassador possum. So all these animals are deemed non-releasable for various reasons. And so they're used for education programs, um, you know, on-site or off-site. So, yeah. That's so awesome. Well, uh, Yuritsa, thank you so much for coming on. Everybody should absolutely go check out the Pelican Harbor Seabird Station. And thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. I'm so glad I got to talk with Yuritsa. Pelicans are so cool and so important to the ecosystems that they live in. They definitely have some challenges, which is why it's vital to support organizations like the Pelican Harbor Seabird Station. Other organizations that you can support that are doing great work to help pelicans are the International Bird Rescue and the National Audubon Society. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me as we explored the world of pelicans. You can find the sources that we used for this podcast and links to organizations that we reference at onwildlife.org. You can also email us with any questions at onwildlife.podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another awesome episode. And that's On Wildlife. Listening to On Wildlife with Alex Ray, brought to you every Wednesday.